Church of Christ, it is so good to see you guys today on this Sunday morning in Dallas, Texas. And I hear there's a football game today. Is that right? Just as a show of hands, is anybody willing to raise your hand today and say that you are cheering for the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, we got two, three. Oh, man. Brave souls right there. And this. Yeah. How many are cheering for the Rams? All right. How many didn't know there was a football game today? <laughs> there we go. I love the honesty. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I consider Super Bowl Sunday as one of the national holidays in the United States, and so it's a big day uh, here in this country. And I'm excited, too, because we are beginning a new sermon series, a four-week series that I'm, I'm real excited about. In fact, I kind of had to laugh to myself uh, earlier when I was making the pitch in the elders meeting about what this sermon series was going to be like. And it was uh, last week we were sitting around there in the conference room, all there, and it came to me and I was going to give my pitch and kind of go each week and what I was going to talk about. And so I I almost felt like this Hollywood producer kind of setting the stage for what it was going to be for these next four weeks. And so I say, all right, here's what I'm thinking for these next four weeks. It's Skillman. Jesus. <laughs> they were on the edge of their seats. Jesus, isn't that what you should preach every Sunday? No, I said, no, no. Jesus, can you see it? Jesus. Looking at the historical and the implications of Jesus. And uh, there was a big laugh because Shane was like, oh, you need to give me more, more here if I want to play in the worship service on just Jesus. Uh, but these next four weeks will be a sermon series on Jesus, looking at Jesus himself, because it is unquestionable and undeniable that Jesus Christ was one of the most important, most influential historical figures to ever walk the face of this earth. And Jesus, although he is so influential, so famous, but also it could be said equally so, that Jesus might be one of the most misunderstood people on the face of this earth as well. So for these next four weeks, looking at Jesus, his life, his teachings in a more, more intense, deep way, I'm hoping that we as his followers, we as his disciples, that we can begin to look more like him here and now on the earth. It is true that Jesus, his identity, who he is, is oftentimes misunderstood. In fact, when I grew up in, uh, in Thailand as a missionary kid, I overheard my dad one time talking to a Thai, uh, another Thai person about Jesus. And my dad asked him, have you ever heard of this guy Jesus? And uh, this Thai guy said, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of Jesus. And my dad responded with, well, well who is he? What do you know about Jesus? And uh, this Thai guy is like, oh yeah, he is that famous shepherd. He had a whole bunch of sheep. And he liked to take care of sheep. And there's that one sheep that got injured that he carried on his shoulder. He was just one of the most famous shepherds to ever walk the face of this earth. And it dawned on me at the time, there's a photo that uh, he had been looking at this photo his whole life in, in churches, in certain areas. He'd been looking at this photo and he literally thought that Jesus was a shepherd and had a whole bunch of sheep. That was his day job. And that this was a famous time in the life of Jesus where he was rescuing a sheep that was hurt. And uh, that was what he, he thought who Jesus was. It wasn't nothing to do with rabbi, savior, lord, nothing about the cross. It was about sheep and taking care of sheep. 
And so here we have an example of Jesus, his identity, being uh, misunderstood. And so oftentimes, if you look at culture, especially in the arts, the way that Jesus is depicted is very similar to the, the culture of that day. For example, in, in European uh, art, when the Europeans began to depict Jesus, Jesus somehow began to look Swedish. Jesus had blue eyes and permed hair. And somehow Jesus used this detergent that was so good that it was just white. I mean, I'm curious what detergent Jesus used in some of these depictions of Jesus. There is this famous painting in Peru that when we used to live there, uh, we'd go into this church and there's this, ma- this massive painting when we walked in. And it was a depiction of the Lord's Supper. And here, I loved it. I, I had so much fun looking at this one. And when, when visitors would come, I would bring them just to see this painting. Because here, at this depiction of the Lord's Supper, there is a guinea pig in the very center of the table. And in Peru, the guinea pig, which is called cuy, is a delicacy. And so when these artists began to depict about what would it have been in the Lord's Supper, well, of course, it would have been the finest cuisine. And so when they began drawing depictions of what it was like, they imagined a guinea pig as the very center of this Last Supper. And then finally, this is a true story. And you guys, we're not too far away from this. So you could even this afternoon go check this out because this is not a lie. But in Paris, Texas, in a cemetery, there is a statue of Jesus wearing cowboy boots. You can see right here, uh, there is a statue of that. He's holding the cross. And if you look very carefully below the robe, you can see that Jesus Christ himself is wearing a set of cowboy boots. Jesus has been depicted over time in art in different ways, oftentimes meshing in our culture, and oftentimes it becomes blurry. And if I'm going to be honest, today, and one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this particular series is that there are oftentimes where the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the church have conflicted. There are oftentimes where the life, teachings, and example of Jesus and some of our interpretations of Scripture have also clashed. But today, and as disciples of Jesus, one of the goals of this series is that Jesus always trumps any interpretation of Scripture. The example of Jesus, the life of Jesus, His example, everything should be viewed through the hermeneutic, through the lens of Jesus. How we treat people, church policy, how we do as as Christians. Everything should first and foremost be looked through through the lens of Jesus. That is how we as disciples, as, as his followers, that's how we should respond. Looking at Jesus through the lens. Because historically, Jesus is one of the most talked about historical figures in the world. In fact, there are are accounts after account after account certifying the existence of Jesus as a historical figure. There's even Roman scribes that have written about a man named Jesus who lived in the first century. And it's clear through the writings, and even in the New Testament, that Jesus, number one, he came from a certain time and a certain place. Jesus was a Jew. Sometimes we forget this in our writings. Sometimes we forget that Jesus grew up as a Jew. It's also clear, based on some of the historical evidence, that Jesus 
was a Jew who was poor. He wasn't a wealthy Jew. He wasn't one of those that had castles and palaces. He wasn't part of the political elite. Jesus was a poor Jew. It's also in historical evidence that we can gain from the research that Jesus, not only was he Jew, not only was he poor, but he was a minority. Jesus was a part of a people group who felt the weight of the system on his shoulders. He was a Jew in the midst of the Roman Empire, and he exhibited much of the feelings that minorities feel today. He wasn't a majority. He wasn't wealthy. He was a Jew who was poor, living as a minority. For the next four weeks, I'd like to tackle this more and look more in depth on how it can impact how we live, how we talk, how we treat others. And the text today, where we're talking about Jesus as a rabbi, is going to be in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles today, please turn to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It's a story about Mary and Martha. In verse 38 it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. A couple of interesting things you can glean from this passage. Number one, how in verse 38 it's referred to as Martha's home. Which is a very unique way to phrase something in the ancient Near East. Where women at that point did not have the authority to give an account in court. But for some reason Martha was viewed as... uh, It was viewed as her home in this text. Another thing of note is that this family is a very well-known family. You have Mary, you have Martha, and Martha and Mary, they have a brother. Does anybody know who who their brother is? There it is, Lazarus. 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 And just just to loosen up the crowd a little bit, I'm going to tell a Lazarus joke. Just so we can loosen up a little bit. It's a little bit tight in here this morning. So Jesus and Lazarus were playing poker together. And Lazarus played something and Jesus said, you know what? I see you and I raise you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) I just had to loosen up a little bit in here, you know. It can get a little tight. So here we have a scenario where Mary and Martha are there. Martha is in the kitchen doing all the work. She's slaving away. She sees Mary. Mary is there almost like she's in a Bible study and she doesn't want to leave. And, and it's interesting that in this case, Martha doesn't talk to Mary directly. Isn't that interesting to you? It's interesting that Martha, when seeing something wrong in her eyes, she goes to Jesus. She says, Jesus, please do me a favor. Tell my sister to come help me out in here. 
I mean, these dishes are being piled up. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. And the last thing we need is for her to be sitting here listening to you talk. It's interesting that she addresses Jesus in this case. It's also interesting Jesus' response. A few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. It's an interesting response that Jesus has. And there's a phrase in this particular story that also evokes, if you were a first century reader, you would read these words grouped together, and it would take you already to an understanding of what the relationship was between Jesus and Mary. Because you have here where it says in 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the feet, uh, sat at the Lord's feet. Sat at the Lord's feet. And there are other parts where in the scripture where it's used, sat at the feet of Jesus. This particular phrase is a depiction of a disciple with their leader. It's a disciple, it's a follower relationship. It's, it's the person who is a disciple of somebody else. And that's a phrase that when someone would hear that and listen to it, they would know, oh, this Mary must be a disciple of Jesus because only disciples sit at the feet of other people. And it brings to the point, and it, it makes awareness that Jesus, in the first century, Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a Jewish man who was poor and minority, but he also served as a rabbi. A rabbi is a spiritual teacher, and time and time again, Jesus is referred to as teacher, as rabbi. As the story goes, Jesus goes and he calls upon 12 fishermen, well, 12, 12 guys, some of them fishermen, and he asked them to follow him. And in that, ta- in that case, to us, it just seems like just natural because we don't have that in our culture. But in the first century, being someone's disciple was a tremendous honor. It was a privilege. There were well-known scholars all along, and their job was to interpret the Torah, to interpret the text. And they would interpret the text, they would teach it, they would travel around, And there are many people who would go and ask to be taught by these certain rabbis. And the rabbi would quiz, they would grill this prospective student and say, well, tell me about this. And how would you respond to this? And the student would answer, well, what do you think about this particular passage? And the student would answer, and if the rabbi thought that this student had what it takes to be his follower, to do as he did, to follow in the way of a, of a disciple, then the rabbi would invite that person to become his disciple and they would be baptized in their name. And so it was a tremendous honor because there were many people who were turned away and they had to go do their family trade because they were deemed unworthy by the, uh, the rabbi to follow. It's interesting that Jesus looks at these fishermen who obviously were already doing their father's trade, which obviously signifies that they may have not been good enough for other rabbis. And he goes to them and he says, Come, follow me. Which is an invitation for them to be disciples, to do as he did, to teach as he taught, to live as he lived. In fact, the phrase, the the terminology in that time was the yoke. If you were to take upon the yoke of your rabbi, it was to live and breathe and talk and live as the disciple, as as the rabbi lived and taught and breathed. In fact, there was a phrase that was common back in those days that said, may you follow so close after your rabbi that the dust of his feet will cover your face. This was the dynamic, the relationship. And only rabbis who felt like their disciple 
could do as that rabbi did, could, could live as he lived, could teach as he taught, would be accepted into that relationship. And here we have just time and time again, I mean, it, this is almost like we have to, when we talk about this educational level, it's different than the, the Western education where you learn content and you take a test. We have to shift our mind to more of an Eastern view of education where it's almost like martial arts, where you go and you watch and you do. You watch and you do. I mean, how ludicrous would it be if we're paying for our kids' karate class and every week we, we pay for this karate class and they're going to karate? I just like saying karate. It, just, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds more authentic than karate. So they're, they're going to karate class and we say, well, what did you do? Well, we, we went and I watched the teacher and we left. Well, next week, what did you do? Well, I went and I listened to the teacher and then you know, we left. And the next week, well, I went and listened to the teacher, and, and, and then they gave us me, me a written test, and I, I took it and I aced it. But then I'm thinking, well, karate is a martial arts. It's a, it's a body, it's, it's a holistic movement. And no one would pay for karate classes unless they were actually learning to do and move the moves at karate, because it's an Eastern view of education. You see, but that seeing propels you to do and this was the same type of dy- dynamic relationship that was in this rabbi-disciple r- relationship because the disciple was encouraged, was inspired to do what this disciple saw. It's amazing. <clears throat> it's amazing. It's because Jesus gave his disciples the authority to do as he did. I mean, you can see this earlier in, the, in chapter 8, I believe, the, the chapter before, in chapter 9, when Jesus sends out the twelve to go do as he did. And then right before this, Jesus sends out the 72. Jesus is, exa- he is modeling this type of teaching where you learn and then you go out and you do. You live the information that's taught to you. And Jesus firmly believed that these people could do it. They firmly believed that these people could, could follow the example of Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter. And he said, Peter, I believe in you. Do as I do. Come follow me. You know, it's interesting that Jesus, that Peter believed this to the point where at one point in the story, he believed he could walk on water. And he followed Jesus out into the lake. Jesus looked at Matthew and said, be like me. And in Luke chapter 10, this is interesting. Who is sitting at the feet of Jesus? In Luke chapter 10, we just, the story that we just read. Who is it that's sitting at his feet? Mary. Mary. And I think at first glance, we don't think anything of this. But as a general practice in the ancient Near East, women were not usually permitted to sit at the feet of disciples. Women were not allowed to do as the disciples did. It wasn't, it wasn't common for women to be a disciple of, of anybody. And here Jesus is there, and he's, he has Mary sitting at his feet, which is telling the reader that Mary is wanting, is desiring to be a disciple of Jesus, and Martha can't handle it. And this, exp- this explains why Martha approaches Jesus, because Martha says, Jesus, please, talk some sense into her. She, can you just tell her that women can't be disciples? That women can't do as you did? That, that this, is, this is not... Right? Can you just talk some sense into her? And what does Jesus say? He says, no. She is doing what is better. She is right where she needs to be. 
And this was an amazing testimony of a social barrier being broken down by Jesus Christ, saying that anybody, a woman, a man, can do as he did, can follow and be a disciple as Jesus was, as Jesus lived and taught. In Luke chapter 8, you see another example of this with that guy who was uh, demon-possessed. And remember that story where it goes into all the pigs? And, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a freaky story where the pigs are out and they say, we are legion, you know, that, that story. Well, at the very end of that story, what happens? You see this, this man who was at once possessed by spirits sitting at the feet of Jesus. These words are used again, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what does this signify? This is now saying that this guy is a disciple of Jesus. And this is saying that Jesus has accepted him and has said that you can do as I did. I trust you. I give you authority to do as I have done. You can live as I live. And in Luke chapter 8, people are so amazed by it, they're, they're freaked out and they go. They just couldn't, they couldn't stand it. It was too radical. It was too radical to see a man like that. And also in Luke chapter 10 with Mary being accepted in in the club of Jesus. You see, Jesus broke down social orders in his radical inclusion of those who could follow him. Jesus broke down those social barriers in communicating who could follow him. And for the rest of this service today, as we continue in our singing, and as we partake of the communion and as we, we, we continue to commune together as a body, I ask that we reflect on a couple questions for us. Reflect on this passage and how it can relate to our life here and now. The question is this. What kind of disciple are you? You see, in Matthew 28, when Jesus sends out everybody, he says, go and make disciples of all men baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Essentially, the task is to go make disciples of Jesus. What kind of disciple are you? Are you the kind of disciple that just listens to the information and says, that's a really good idea, but it has no actual bearing on your life? It doesn't affect how you treat others. It doesn't affect how you give. It doesn't affect how you, how you conduct your business. It doesn't conduct how you raise your children. What kind of disciple are you? That's a question that we can ponder, that we can question as we continue today and also as we go on in our week and our daily task. What kind of disciple are you? Have you just subscribed to a set of beliefs that you agree with but have little action behind it? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus? Because you see, the invitation is there. The invitation is there for you to be his disciple and to follow. You have the authority to go and do as Jesus did, to live as he lived, to teach as he taught. The invitation is there. Are you there, sitting there, accepting that call to be a disciple of Jesus? Jesus tells his disciples, come, follow me. And see, this is an invitation to imitate Jesus, inspired by Jesus from the rabbi to be his disciples, to teach what Jesus taught, to do as Jesus did, to walk as Jesus taught, walked, to show compassion like Jesus showed compassion, to stand up for what Jesus stood for, and to challenge what Jesus challenged. And this story also reminded us 
that Jesus challenges. Jesus challenges any system that keeps people oppressed and disempowered. Jesus challenges any system, whether it's a city system, whether it's a country system, whether it's within our own church system, whether it's a family system, any system that oppresses people, that disempowers people, Jesus says, no, I'm against it. And because Jesus said that, we as his disciples should be equally as passionate about challenging those systems that, that disempower people from where they are and who they could be. As disciples, we are to do the same in the schools, in the cities, in our jobs, and even in our church family. We are called to challenge any system that causes that oppression, just as Jesus did. If you are not a disciple yet of Jesus, the scriptures give us example after example that being baptized in his name is a symbolic gesture of becoming a disciple of Jesus. And we offer that invitation each and every Sunday. If this is something that you would also like to become, if you want to be so close to your rabbi, Jesus, that the dust covers your face and you want to live like him and talk like him and challenge like him and show compassion and love like him, that invitation is always here. And also, if the invitation is always here for those that need prayers in that journey, because it is a hard thing. We're not going to be perfect. We struggle. The struggle is real. But we can pray for each other. Why don't you come while together we stand and we sing. More